to become a sort of truly global Christians has been a really important part of our journey. I'm Julian Dobbs, the diocesan bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word and host of this podcast. And I'm very pleased this week to be joined uh, from across the pond by Mrs. Susie Leaf. Susie, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you with us on this episode. Well, thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. Ah, and you have a great accent, uh, <laughs> one that will, uh, uh, together with mine, I trust, be a blessing to those who are uh, listening to us on this um, episode. There's so much I want to uh, talk to you about. Uh, Susie, Susie serves as the Operations Director of GAFCON UK, the Global Anglican Future Conference. She formerly served as the Director of Reform, a conservative evangelical campaign group in England. Susie is a faithful servant within the church and a prime example of the importance of having female leadership in the Anglican church. And we might talk about that a little later. I admire and respect her voice and leadership. And I'm so grateful that she agreed to come on Living Through the Word so that our, our listeners could get to know her and uh, to hear what our Lord is up to uh, in the United Kingdom. Susie, I want to talk a little bit about a place called Foy. Uh, we've uh, talked about Foy before on Living Through the Word. Um, the town of Foy is familiar to listeners of this podcast. Uh, they may recall that we had Philip de Grey Water on as our guest some episodes ago, and we talked to him right before he left the Church of England and planted Angli a Anchor Anglican Church in Foy. And Susie, you're a member um, of that congregation, and we thought it was a good time to check back in, see how things are going. So can you tell us what the last few months have been like for Anchor Anglican uh, Church? And just remind us uh, what made this new Christian congregation um, necessary in Foy. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's slightly strange. Foy is a, is a tiny little town, two, 3,000 people. Uh, on the south coast of Cornwall, right down in the in the far southwest of England. Um, it seems strange now that it has a little bit more of a reputation, perhaps, than it did before. The last few months have been uh, extraordinary. Um, there have been great joys, um, but some grief uh, because of the sacrifices that have had to be made. Um, Philip de Greywater, our vicar, um, he made a decision uh, back in the summer uh, that he could no longer remain in the Church of England. Uh, this was after the House of Bishops uh, put out some guidance which suggested that um, the baptismal liturgy or confirmation liturgy uh, was the appropriate way of marking uh, someone's gender transition. And uh, this for him was a, a step uh, too far away from um, biblical Christianity uh, to actually start to say that the sacraments uh, were uh, are used uh, for, for matters that they weren't designed for, just seemed to be too wrong for him. And so he decided that he would, could no longer accept the authority of 
uh, the House of Bishops of the Church of England. Uh, and that led us with a dilemma because we wanted to remain uh, as a, an Anglican congregation. Uh, but wonderfully, um, that decision has led to the birth of this new church. And this new church is um, a delight. There is a spiritual vitality that I think comes from the sacrifice of, of, of stepping away from uh, teaching that is moving away uh, from the historical teaching and the biblical teaching. Uh, and there have been new people joining us, uh, a depth of relationships, uh, both with our brothers and sisters in Gascon, particularly those in uh, North America and in Sydney, uh, depths of relationships uh, locally as well. So, yeah, there's been a great joy, uh, but of course there's been the grief of leaving uh, our tree mm. building, mm. but also uh, the confusion and the uh, of, of for Philip and Naomi, his wife, uh, and the family having to leave their vicarage, buy a new home, settle into that. Yeah, it's been a real time of, of, of change, but most of it's been great. It's, it's, thank you for sharing that. It's challenging for us as Anglicans, isn't it? Because we, 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 we're, we're part of something in so many ways, so much bigger than ourselves. And to, to contemplate stepping aside is just something that really, maybe since uh, the 16th century, who knows, but hasn't really been part of our psyche. We haven't, we haven't really thought that we'd ever need to step aside. And yet we've seen that here in the United States. You're seeing it in the United Kingdom. Australia's wrestling with that. New Zealand obviously mm -hmm. has wrestled with that with our new Anglican uh, diocese there under the leadership of Bishop Bean, uh, who's been on this uh, a podcast. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's hard for us because we've, we've never been independent uh, in that sense. So you talk about stepping aside from the Church of England are you an independent church or are you under the Episcopal leadership of a bishop? We are very much under the Episcopal leadership of a bishop, uh, Bishop Andy Lines, who was consecrated by the Gafcon, uh, by the Anglican Church of North America, but at the request of the Gafcon primates uh, in 2016 is our new bishop. And I think that has been really helpful. Uh, those global relationships have made us recognize that we're not leaving something uh, for independence, but that we are joining something which is so much bigger even than the Church of England. To become uh, sort of truly global Christians has been a really important part of our journey. And that, that's an important part of life for all Christians. It can be difficult for us sometimes to um, to balance the desire we have to do our own thing yet the mutual interdependence we have with one another. We see that, obviously, uh, through uh, the community that Jesus built, the ecclesia. We see it uh, in Paul's letter. I'm thinking of Ephesians 4, where uh, there's an emphasis on a mutual interdependence in Christ, and Gafcon is, is really providing that for faithful biblical uh, Anglicans around the world. Most of the churches in the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word are either church plants or congregations that left the Episcopal Church uh, for the same reasons you've left the Church of England. Uh, in many ways, uh, your story at Foy is dear to us because it reminds us of our own journey here uh, in the United States. 
uh, in cases where we see this kind of plant in another country. I think it's important to compare our accounts, to hear from one another, to see where the process is the same, where it differs, to see which principles of reformation are universal and which are cultural. And that also helps us to pray, doesn't it? Because one of the great gifts we've got as Christians is the gift of prayer and to pray for one another. So Susie, uh, to start this comparison, tell us what a week at Anchor Anglican Church looks like now that you're several months into this uh, new formation. Yeah, it's it's strange. It feels very normal now, yet um, it is very different uh, to what uh, we experienced in the past. So as I say, we, we left our little, our 12th century church, which is sort of snuggled into the, to the center of our town. And we've moved to the edge of the town. Uh, we're high up above the harbor um, in, a, in a prefabricated building. Uh, it's not beautiful. Uh, but one thing we've gained is an amazing view of God's creation. Um, and, and that blows me away every time I walk up to the church building how glorious uh, God's creation is. Um, there's a little ferry that goes across uh, from our town to the village across the river. And um, we've even begun a ministry to the ferryman as uh, the children of the church are concerned that they join in what we're doing and take them donuts every, every Sunday morning. So we gather uh, early for a, an early communion service, um, while others are setting up the main part of the building, uh, some gather for uh, an early morning communion service. And then uh, at 10 o'clock, uh, the coffee comes on and the donuts come out and people gather around tables. Uh, the family, as it were, gathers together. Uh, we start the formal part of the service at half past 10. And in, in many ways, we're more liturgical than we ever were, I think. Uh, leaving the sort of historical connections of our, our building have meant that we are now much more connected in uh, to the historical uh, liturgy and historical uh, connection in that way uh, with Anglicanism. And so we use a morning prayer uh, service um, to start our, our, our service. Um, that also includes a, a time of looking at the global world. We have a global slot every week where we uh, have video from somewhere in the, in the Anglican Communion. Uh, we pray for those who we have links with. Um, and then we break for coffee and donuts again. You don't have to have a donut both times. Uh, but we have coffee again before we down to hear God's word taught. Um, and that because we're meeting round tables, that there's an informality about that. There's an opportunity for people to reflect on the passage together uh, before the, the sermon takes place, but also to wrestle with it together after the sermon takes place. So I think we're seeing a, a depth of um, interaction between people and interaction with God's word uh, that we weren't perhaps not uh, being able to do all together uh, before. So, oh wow! That I mean, and then and so, we eat together twice a week, as twice a month as well. It's great. It's just fa I think the word people are using is family. 
Well, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I've never been to Foy, but I've read a little bit about Foy, obviously, since I've been connected with uh, your vicar and um, with uh, Anchor. And um, uh, I, uh, this past weekend, was visiting one of the congregations in our own diocese in a Foy-like environment in um, uh, 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 Southwest Harbour in Maine, uh, where they don't go out with um, donuts uh, for the ferryman, but they do go out with um, donuts and muffins at 3 a.m. in the morning uh, for the lobster boats. Oh, and they fantastic. do exactly what you're doing. They're, they're gathering members of the church. They give out these muffins and packets and, and brown bags. Uh, in fact, the vicar up there, uh, 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 Clay Gilly has been known, uh, become known in the community as the Muffin Man, uh, oh and, and the church is um, uh, 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 on wheels like it is there in Foy, and uh, you're sharing the gospel in really practical ways. Uh, you with the the ferryman uh, up in Maine with uh, the lobster boats. Um, okay. uh, in the Anglican Church in North America, in our liturgy, uh, this first week of Lent, uh, we're thinking about the work of Jesus. Uh, we journey towards the cross, and we recognize that from time to time, Satan comes and uh, attempts to disrupt and discourage and uh, 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 destroy the work of God, uh, if that could be possible. Um, and you've seen some uh, opposition, some spiritual opposition. The enemy of souls is certainly not pleased uh, with anyone when they stand for the word of God. That's been uh, true in Foy. Uh, where have you seen this spiritual opposition? That's a very good question. Um, I think we see it, I'd say, in, in, in three places. We, we always see the battle with our own souls, don't we? And I think it's important to recognize that uh, we've been very aware of our dependence on God as we've stepped out, uh, but also the temptation to start relying on ourselves again rather than on God as things seem to be sort of panning out nicely. So I think that's been one area of uh, prayer that we wouldn't allow the devil to persuade us that we can do things on our own. Um, locally, relationships in the town have not been easy, um, uh, but we're beginning to see uh, those improving, and um, that's a joy as uh, reconciliation begins to take place between those who uh, were unsure that this was the right thing to do. Uh, and ourselves and I think more widely certainly just as we try to put together the right ecclesial structures for the UK um, there are all kinds of battles um, and I'm sure that the devil would just love to um, stop us from from creating something that is uh, more permanent and more uh, useful to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And that battle continues in so many ways. Uh, and uh, as you say, personally, we're reflecting that in our Lenten journey right now. Uh, we're, we're thinking about um, standing fast in the faith and the opposition that comes. It shouldn't surprise us, but even for me, it surprises me when the opposition comes. And, and sadly, the enemy tends to use, not always, but tends to use those from within the Christian community 
to do his bidding, and that's um, that's a great uh, sadness. Did you ever regret the church, the choice to leave the Church of England? No, I think um, I I regret that it was necessary. Um, I regret that it's um, been um, yeah. I, I regret. I really regret that it's necessary, um, but I think that we've seen. Um, so much freedom, spiritual freedom, uh, from from moving uh, out. Uh, I think a lot of people have been struck, particularly by the way in which um, Philip and Naomi just seem to freer in the way that in what they can do is great. We're taking a short break in the middle of this episode to thank you for being a listener to Living Through the Word. This is a podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast or our diocese, please visit adlw.org on the web or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you swing by our website, stop in and sign up for our mailing list. It's right on the front page and it's the best way to stay on top of ADLW news. If you'd like to partner with us by providing monetary support, please click the Donate tab under the Living Through the Word menu on adlw.org. Thank you for being with us today, and we hope that you'll continue to be a listener to Living Through the Word. I'm talking uh, with Susie Leith, the GAFCON UK Director of Operations. Uh, Susie, before we start discussing uh, a couple more serious issues, uh, my producer, Mark Steele, has been after me to send him to visit your family in Foy because he's discovered that you serve something called a bacon roll at church <laughs> gatherings. Um, I've been I've been trying to uh, gift the Americans uh, in our diocese and uh, um, uh, allow them to enjoy the culinary wonders of, of authentic New Zealand Marmite. But, <laughs> I've had limited success. Success with one or two, but only with one or two. Uh, tell us exactly what a bacon roll is. Um, should we introduce it in the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word? Oh, well, a bacon roll, how to describe a bacon roll. We we had our bacon rolls on Christmas Day. That was the morning when those photographs went viral. Uh, a bacon roll is, is, is cooked uh, bacon, um, nice and crisply done. And then placed into a bread roll, and that's about it. The big controversy around a bacon roll is what you put with it, whether <laughs> whether you serve it with with red sauce or with with brown sauce, um, does cause a few issues. We make sure that we have all sources available uh, at the church, but we we actually went for a bit more of an American thing this week as we we served um, uh, pulled pork. This week, so that was a that was That's very that impressive. Was, yeah, we did pull pork this week again, much much appreciated by people. Susie, uh, last month, uh, and I listened to your presentation; it was very courageous. Uh, you spoke to the General Synod of the Church of England uh, about abuse within the church. Um, thank you, thank you for sharing the way you did so courageously. Could you give us a, a quick summary of your message to that gathering? 
Golly, yes. I mean, it was a it was a surprise to me that I ended up speaking in that debate. Um, it was a a debate uh, around the whole issue of how the church responds um, to abuse within the church, um, and I was shocked by how few people wanted to speak um, in the general synod. Uh, we we stand to show that we want to speak. And as I looked around at the beginning of the debate, there were only two or three people standing. And that worried me. Um, and it uh, led me to scribble down some notes. So I think what I really said was that I think in the context of abuse, we, we all feel too small. We all feel very powerless. Uh, we don't know what to do. Um, but things that I'd learnt uh, as I've walked alongside those uh, who have been victims of abuse and are victims of abuse within the church context um, are to listen, to listen well to people. Often it's when people are able to, uh, that people will test out with just a, a, a something small and it's as we listen to that uh, that we'll have the privilege of going deeper into their stories. Mm. Um, mm. One one example I gave was that uh, one uh, young man spoke of somebody and said that they they knew he was a bully, and it was shocking to me that he did that. But reflecting that no shepherd of the Lord should be a bully, and yet somehow that had become a normality uh, within. The context he was in, picking up on that, that led him to speak a little bit further about his experience. These are these are very real issues, uh, sadly, for many people in the church, and 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 I want to acknowledge that as a bishop uh, and a leader in the church, uh, sadly, uh, leaders and others in the church have bullied people. Uh, and uh, people have suffered greatly. One of the terms you used was the term spiritual abuse. Uh, that's a term that's not all that commonly used in the United States. Uh, uh, perhaps England has done a better job of identifying and naming what's going on. Um, could you explain to our listeners what spiritual abuse is and how it manifests itself within the church? Yeah, I think it's certainly a controversial term here as, uh, as well. I don't think it's a settled term, but it's in some ways a helpful term as we start to try to work out what has been happening uh, within church contexts. Um, it's a, a term that's really used to describe, a little bit like domestic abuse would be used to describe um, physical and sexual and psych uh, psychological abuse that takes place within the domestic family. Uh, so spiritual abuse uh, seems to be used as a term to describe what happens within a, within a spiritual context. And I think just as the domestic family and the church family have a wonderful, wonderful ability to nurture and enable people to flourish, I think they both have a, a unique ability to hurt as well. And there is something about uh, the relationships within the church and the way in which abuse within the church context or the spiritual context um, impacts people's relationship uh, with uh, those around them uh, and with those uh, 
who they have had close relationships with and should be able to trust. It also affects their relationship uh, with the Lord uh, and so needs to be taken very seriously. Susie, thank you for sharing so openly about these very painful uh, yet important things. I would want to say to those listening to this podcast, uh, if you've suffered abuse uh, in the church in any form, find a safe person, go to that person, speak up, and find the appropriate mechanism that exists uh, to make that abuse known and report it. Uh, Don't remain silent. We want to stand with you. Susie, when you closed your speech, you mentioned that it would be your last time addressing the General Synod of the Church of England. That must have been really difficult. Um, What were you feeling as you said those words? Uh, It's interesting, isn't it? I think I've been on the General Synod for uh, nine and a half years. It's been quite a large part of, of life because we the, the the Church of England is set up in such a way that our general synod meets twice a year for five days at a time. So it takes over quite a large part of your life. I think sad to think that actually the Church of England will not be my home in that sense as well. But also there was a sense of relief um, There are many battles that I have been fighting with others in the Church of England, um, and to feel that I was able to put those uh, battles down um, has been a relief. Well, the presentation you made that I watched, Susie, was done in a very godly and gracious way, uh, and I'm so thankful uh, that you did so. We need to be in prayer uh, for the instruments of communion, of the Anglican uh, communion, uh, that they may come back to faith, return to faith, that the Spirit of God would awaken their hearts as the Word of God is read and proclaimed, and that Jesus would be glorified. Let's not just cast people away and be done with them. Let's be in prayer and pray that the Lord would draw them back to uh, himself. In fact, that was one of the invitations that GAFCON made uh, at our uh, uh, gathering in Jerusalem. We said, you can come and be with us. Come and be with us. Here's what we believe. Join us on this journey to uphold the faith in the beauty of the Anglican tradition. Susie, we've mentioned a few times that 2020 is shaping up to be a rather historic year in the life of global Anglicanism. Uh, uh, as I've said, you're you're involved uh, in the leadership of GAFCON. Where do you see the greatest opportunities for growth in the movement? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm involved in, in GAFCON UK, the UK branch of GAFCON. Um, and certainly within the UK branch, um, I think that the, the opportunities for growth are in reaching out, particularly into the lay people um, in the churches. Uh, more and more, it's lay people uh, in England and uh, Scotland and Wales who are calling us um, as as they're concerned about what's happening in the church setting and perhaps don't have the same um, networks as many clergy have to, to deal with it. So I think reaching the laity is going to be a really important aspect um, and we want to make sure through social media, uh, through um, uh, you know, reaching out to people, that they can be part of everything that's going on in the in, in the. Um, both locally and globally. 
And for global GAFCON, um, well, it's going to be an extraordinary conference, I think, at Kigali. Um, and I think if the bishops, as they gather in Kigali, um, can uh, offer a lead to the Anglican Communion, that is going to be a, a, a really powerful um, message uh, for the world. Yeah, I think so, Susie. And I'm so looking forward to what happens when the bishops gather uh, in Kigali, Rwanda, uh, 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 later this year. Um, you've mentioned bishops. Uh, you've mentioned clergy. You've talked about um, your own vicar, uh, uh, our friend Philip de Grey Water. Uh, uh, we haven't talked much about lay people. Um, uh, do you have to be ordained to serve in the Anglican Church? Obviously, I know the answer to that, but you're you're a lay woman serving in leadership in the church. Uh, uh, do you have to be ordained? Absolutely not. Uh, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I think that it's always possible for us to believe that um, unless we are working in a, in a way that is sort of full-time Bible teaching ministry um, or some form of clerical ministry, we are somehow less than. And one of the, the joys of the New Testament is the way in which uh, different people are called to serve in different ways. Um, and uh, that wonderful picture of the body of the church and uh, us all doing different things. And it would be a, be a complete disaster, wouldn't it, if everybody was um, ordained uh, to full-time ministry. I think we'd be separated from the world in a way that would be unhelpful. And I'm, I'm excited to see, particularly in visiting uh, you and in the States and um, so much, part, so many parts of the world where actually even... Clerics are in, in, in bivocational uh, ministries. Uh, people are supporting themselves just to do the work of uh, sharing the gospel in whatever way it is that God has called us to do it. And being faithful to that, uh, enjoying the great richness uh, and celebrating the shared leadership of lay people and clergy, I believe, is one of the great gifts uh, that our Anglican order uh, has Absolutely. to offer us. And uh, I encourage people to reach out and find ways to use those gifts and, and, and be faithful to them. They're gifts that have been given by God to be used in the ministry of his church uh, and so we, we want to be faithful to them. Uh, Susie, a final question about GAFCON. Uh, as, you, as you think of GAFCON, the Global Anglican Future Conference, what's happening around the world, uh, in maybe two sentences, what would you say um, uh, is the mission and ministry of GAFCON? I think it's twofold. One, it is to proclaim Christ faithfully. And that's vital, proclaiming Christ faithfully. But to do that, uh, we need um, those instruments of communion that you talked of earlier. And I think GAFCON is a renewal movement, a movement to say, come on, we can do this better. Uh, we can uh, link with each other in faithful ways um, and supporting our brothers and sisters throughout the world in the variety of ways in which GAFCON uh, is is involved. 
Mike. Network, bishops, everything. My guest on this episode has been Susie Leith, who serves as the Operations Director of GAFCON UK. She's a faithful disciple of Jesus, a warrior for the gospel, uh, and just such a joy to serve alongside. Susie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace.